Even after an ugly loss in Dallas, Jets fans should not be too worried about the defense. The offensive line, that's a different story. You should be very worried about that. We'll discuss today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Tuesday, September 19th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening on a podcast source and enjoy the show, please give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. This helps us out and helps other Jets fans find the podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets back, guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Well, the Jets lost their first game of the season on Sunday, and that naturally leads to some overreactions. Today, we're going to talk about whether some of the reactions to this d- defeat are reasonable or whether they're overreactions. Um, you know, I always say the week, be- the week between the first game and the second game of the season in the NFL is overreaction week. I think there's actually a second overreaction week, and that's the week your team loses its first game. And for many teams, well, for half the league, that's week one. But for other teams, when you get a victory in the opener, maybe you feel a little too good about yourself. You lose week two, and then suddenly it feels like the sky is falling. So where should the Jets be worried? Now, I think there are a couple areas where the Jets struggled in this game. And one of them was clearly on defense as they allowed 30 points. They only forced three Dallas punts. Now I'm already seeing this defense is overrated. We we hyped it up too much. And you, know, you never know. It's always possible that the Jets are on their way to a disappointing season on the defensive side of the ball. But I think there are a couple underlying factors in this game that prevent me from being too worried about this unit. Now, number one is something we frequently forget. There's another team playing in the game. The Dallas Cowboys executed at a very high level, and this is a very talented team. So I don't think we should lose track of that because we always look to blame our players when something goes wrong. But sometimes it's just really good execution by the other the other guys. Sometimes you just have to give the other team credit. Dallas has Dallas is one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. It's not a surprise that they won this game. It's not a surprise that their offense had a good day. Now, I certainly think we were all hoping the Jets defense would play up to its potential. The Jets defense clearly had an off day, but I think it's clear that Dallas is playing as well as any team in the league right now through two weeks. So this was always going to be a tough matchup. The Jets had to go on the road. I know it sounds like I'm making excuses right now, but I do think even great units, they have rough games. Last year, week two, the Jets went out to Cleveland and while they won the game, it was because of a crazy sequence in the final two minutes. The defense actually had a really bad day week two last year, and they went on to have a very good season. So, of course, we'll keep our eye on the defense, but I don't think it's something that Jets fans at this point in time at least should necessarily panic over. This defense has a track record of being really good. Last year, they allowed the third fewest yards per drive in the NFL. Uh, so it's not just it's not just like this was a defense that had a lot of luck in the red zone last year. This wasn't like a bend but don't break kind of unit. I mean, I think 2021, the Jets were kind of trying to play bend but don't break. Last year, 
Jets defense just took the ball away. Uh, you know, took the ball away from you from the standpoint that you, you they were forced a lot of three and outs. They stalled drives very early. Maybe they weren't the the highest turnover producing defense in the NFL, but this was an excellent unit, and I think the underlying talent supports that. I, mean, I think you look at the defensive line, which did not have a great game on Sunday, but you know that there's a lot of quality players here. You know that there's a lot of established talent on this defense. And I think the secondary, you know, you look at the corners the Jets have. Sauce Gardner has set, set such a high standard for himself that people are disappointed by his first two weeks where his play has really not been very bad. Now, he dropped that uh, potential pick six against Dallas, so I guess that's kind of a mark against him. But he got yeah, he got beaten a couple times by Stephon Diggs in week one, but that's normal. I mean, if you, if you compare Sauce Gardner's performance to – mortal corners i think his first two weeks have actually been pretty good the problem is we've compared him to the first team all pro he was as a rookie and you know he maybe has not played quite as well as that but he's playing really good uh dj reed dj reed's a really good corner uh michael carter the second has developed into an excellent slot corner uh the, t- the talent's there that's the point is that when you have this kind of talent i don't think one game should necessarily make you panic over a unit. Now, if the Jets go out there and have, you know, a bad month, you know, bad three, four weeks, then we can start reassessing what's going wrong. But I tend to just chalk this up to one bad game. And I'll make another point. Uh, the Jets actually weren't that bad on first and second down. It's their third down defense that really failed them. Dallas uh, essentially converted 50% of their third downs. Uh, they were 9 of 18 on third down. And I actually think there's a pretty good explanation for that. And that's just Jeff Ulbrich called a horrific game. And I checked out last night that the all 22 film was not available yet but i just rewatched some of the key plays on the broadcast version of the film and even with that and sometimes the broadcast version of the film doesn't capture everything but it captured a lot of really bad stuff from jeff albrecht whether it was tendencies that they left on the film against buffalo how they line up in certain third down situations but especially the way they deployed the safeties uh, on some of these third downs i mean i caught in the second quarter twice where somehow the jets lined up a safety against a wide receiver one-on-one in man coverage, which just makes no sense. Safeties cannot cover wide receivers one-on-one. That's a mismatch. You, you can't do that. And Ulbrich did it twice. And the first time I saw it, I thought, okay, well, maybe they, like, maybe the guy who's in, there's always a coach who's in charge of personnel groupings, you know, keeping track of how many running backs, how many tight ends, how many wide receivers there are that the offense has put on the field. And their, their, their job is to relay that to the rest of the coaching staff so that the Jets can be in the right personnel. The first time I saw it, I thought, wow, that guy must have really messed up there because the Jets were short a corner. You know, they ended up with, again, the safety one-on-one with the wide receiver. But then it happened the second time, and I thought, you know what, they may be doing that on purpose, and it made no sense. Um, and then you, you know, if you go back to the key play where Brandon Eccles got flagged for pass interference on third down in the red zone, they roll – the safety, I think it was Adrian Amos, to the other side of the field. The issue with that is, you know, Eccles is one-on-one coverage. He's your weakest cover guy. And the guy they rolled Amos to was the tight end who was being double-covered. So there was no reason to roll Amos to that side. This was, you know, watching the game live, I criticized Jeff Ulbrich. And sometimes you go and re-watch the game and you say, you know what, I was too hard on this coach. It was really on the players. This was on Jeff Ulbrich. This was a – Jeff Ulbrich – I have no idea what was going through his head when he was making some of these calls. And if you're a Jets fan who's angry at the coaching staff, you know, sometimes I try and talk you down from this a little bit. Sometimes I'll say, you know, it's not really the coaching staff's fault. The players, there's nothing wrong with this call. The players just have to execute. No, this was Jeff Albrecht's fault. I mean, the players did not do a great job, but 
the game plan. And, and it's especially because third downs were so key in this game. You know, the Jets did not get off the field on third downs. Again, they, if you actually look at the play-to-play results, they did a decent job on first and second down. In fact, if you actually go deep into the stats, the Jets on offense averaged 4.7 yards per play. On defense, they allowed 4.6 yards per play. So the Jets actually gained more yards per play than Dallas did. Now, of course, you have to factor in some fourth quarter garbage time where maybe the Cowboys pulled things, scaled things back a little bit. But the point is, the Jets' defense on a play-to-play basis wasn't that bad in this game. It was just the key downs. They could not get off the field. And they couldn't get off the field because their defensive coordinator was making mind-bogglingly bad calls. And I don't expect that to continue because we've seen the Jets' defense under Ulbricht succeed. I don't think that those types of calls are necessarily going to be all that common going forward. So that's one of the things I look at is, is there a reason to expect this going forward is it when something when somebody struggles for a game when a unit struggles for a game should i is there a reason to expect this will be a continuing trend i've never seen ulbrick call a game that bad so i'm assuming that i'm hoping it's going to get better than that i'm not all that worried about the defense i cannot say the same thing about the offensive line as we continue this tuesday edition of the locked on jets podcast we're going to talk about the offensive line struggles and why this isn't going to be as easy to fix as the defense it's going to be there's really a, a big problem up front again we'll discuss it continuing this tuesday edition of lockdown jets today's episode of lockdown jets is brought to you by linkedin these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business and you want to be 100 certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available that's why you got to check out linkedin jobs linkedin jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free one rough game is not enough to get anybody fired in the NFL, but if the Jets play like that through the season, the way they did against Dallas, there may be some job openings on, on this team. The Jets don't need to use LinkedIn jobs. They have an established network of contacts in the NFL. They have a scouting network. Let LinkedIn jobs be your scouting network. It's easy to create a, a job post. Then you add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile on LinkedIn to spread the word that you're hiring. And simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And this is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. Again, that's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Again, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Believe it or not, the Jets are actually home underdogs to the Patriots at this point. The Jets, who looked so good at beating a contender in the Buffalo Bills week one, home underdogs at home against the Oh, and two New England Patriots. Can you believe that? Well, if you're upset about that and you think you can make some money off it, head over to FanDuel. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. And a big shout out to Everydayers. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday, and then bonus episodes as needed. Today we're talking about reactions or perhaps overreactions from the first loss of the season. The Jets 
fell to the Dallas Cowboys 30-10 to on Sunday in Arlington. A bad performance by the defense, but we went over in the first segment why it's not time to panic about the defense. I never encourage panic, so maybe that's the wrong word, but it's time to be very concerned about the offensive line. This unit did not play a very good game week one against Buffalo, and this unit played an awful game week two against the Dallas Cowboys. Entering the season, the Jets were always trying to thread the needle with this unit, uh, and you have so many pieces that are you know could go either way. You've got a 38-year-old left tackle in Dwayne Brown who did not get any preseason snaps, who barely practiced before the start of the season. You have a guy in his 30s in Lakin Tomlinson coming off a bad season. You have Makai Becton, who hasn't played in two years. I mean, it's it's the type of unit you could talk yourself into because any one of those guys, there's like a plausible path to them being good. Dwayne Brown's been really good through his career, gave the Jets credible play last year. Lakin Tomlinson, you know, there was indications that he's better than the player he was last year. Becton was a former, you know, not that long ago, a high first round pick. But the unit's not meshing. And I, I think you really have to question what the Jets' plan was on the offensive line at this point because it's just not getting the job done. It's it, it's this this was close to the worst case scenario. And I understand, you know, I in the first segment I talked about the offensive side, I talked about the defensive side of the ball, and I mentioned that the defense was going up against a very talented unit. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have a lot of talent on offense, but they also have a lot of talent on defense. And you're not going to go up against Mike, Micah Parsons every week. So at least that's a positive. But they're just things you, that really bothered me from this game. And they've it, it really bothered me the first two weeks of the season. Zach Wilson has faced pressure on more than half of his dropbacks right now. That's just unacceptable. That can't happen. And while in the past, Zach has kind of invited pressure because he's held the ball for too long or he has not maneuvered well within the pocket, I don't think that's necessarily fair to say through the first two games this year. I think if you're looking at areas where Zach Wilson actually is better, one of them's, you know, he's moving around the pocket better. He's not backpedaling as much. He's not, you know, except from the one play against Buffalo, he's not running 20, 30 yards back the first time he feels pressure. And that, that was true in the past. I mean, the first time Zach Wilson felt pressure last year, he'd just start backpedaling or he'd spin, he'd do the spin move or he'd go back. That's not happening this year. In fact, if anything, I feel like Zach Wilson's helping this offense out by the way he's playing under pressure. I mean, in the Dallas game, especially in the two-minute drill, there were a couple times where he just saw a running lane and took off. He seems much more decisive in the pocket. And, you know, we can get – we. I'm sure we can talk about Zach Wilson. I'm sure his his performance could probably fill up three podcasts. Uh, but it's not really Zach Wilson – a Zach Wilson issue, I don't think, on offense. I mean, in the fourth quarter, things fell apart in that game. But, the you know, the Jets weren't able to really run the ball effectively, and part of this goes to play calling. But – Really, the bigger problem is just up front, the offensive line's not doing the job. And it's easy to say the Jets should make some changes. And I think we're actually to the point where the Jets are going to have to consider changes on this offensive line. But reshuffling this unit, I'm not sure that's necessarily going to fix all that ails it. Um, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, the next move might be to move him to right tackle and move back into left tackle. Well, first of all, you're moving Vera Tucker again. I mean, how many times can you change this kid's position the first three years in his career? But it's not like Makai Becton looked great on Sunday. I think you know, he's he's a guy who's more of a wild card than we want to admit, and he committed multiple penalties in this game. I don't think there was anybody who played well in this offensive line. I think part of the problem is that these guys did not play together through the whole training camp. And if you're reshuffling the line again, then you're going to continue to lack chemistry. You, know, I think 
the solution most people see is Joe Tipman goes in at uh, the rookie goes in at right guard. Vera Tucker goes to right tackle and Becton goes to left tackle. Well, now you've created a new line and you also have guys who are playing positions they haven't played in a while. You have three guys changing positions here. Tipman's typically a center. Uh, Becton's been playing right tackle through the bulk of training camp in the preseason. And Vera Tucker's played guard pretty much the whole time. I mean, he was kind of an emergency tackle last year and he held up pretty well. And again, Dwayne Brown's playing so bad that you may have to consider it, but I think you do also have to consider that this is probably not going to fix all the issues with this line. I think that if you look back on this, it's really difficult for me to understand why the Jets went with this line the way they did. Because Dwayne Brown, I don't want to be too hard on Dwayne Brown because I think he played really hard for the Jets last year in a very difficult situation. He was playing injured. He signed with his team at a point where he really didn't need to like continue his career, and he signed with a team that had been at the bottom of the NFL. So I want to give Dwayne Brown credit, but you could tell that he was near the end of the, the line last year, and I felt like the Jets probably got their last the last productive football of his career out of him last year, and they just decided to go back with it this year. And it's not just that they decided to go back with it. They decided to go back with it with no alternative. I mean, where do you go now? I guess the, I guess the, the the solution I laid out with Tipman at guard, Vera Tucker at tackle, and Becton at left, uh, moving from right to left tackle. I guess that's the most logical one. But I mean, that's a solution where again you're change, you're essentially changing three guys' position at once. That's not such an easy thing to execute. Uh, they sh- there should have been a better solution at tackle, and the Jets right now are paying for what happened. And that this is the thing that I said this prior to week one. The one thing that could derail this Jets season, other than injuries, which we've already dealt with, is this offensive line, and it's simply not performing the way the Jets needed to. And with the fact that the guys who are underperforming outside of Becton are the older guys on the line, I mean, that tells me that we can't really count on that to be fixed. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention to the quarterback play. Is this an issue with the Jets? I think it's complicated. Should the Jets be looking for an upgrade? I think the answer, again, is complicated, and I'll discuss that a little bit more as we continue this Tuesday edition of Locked On Jets. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than two to six player stat projections, and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is a lot of fun. Prize Picks has quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an, enorm- an enormous selection of players and stat types. And that's what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. On Prize Picks, you can pick Saquon Barkley to gain more than 60 yards, Patrick Mahomes for more than two passing touchdowns. You can pick Odell Beckham Jr. for less than 50 yards or Josh Allen for less than two passing touchdowns. And Prize Picks offers weekly projections that can lead to big payouts, like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple, Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Right now, you can go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash NFL promo code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Tuesday. We're talking about the Jets' first loss of the season, reactions that we're seeing to this, changes that people think the Jets need to make. Are they reactions or overreactions? Let's end with the quarterback position because I think it's very complicated talking about Zach Wilson, the current state of the Jets, and also his game on Sunday. 
I don't think Zach Wilson was to blame at all. You know, I've seen people say that I don't blame Zach Wilson much. I don't blame, well, me, I don't blame Zach Wilson at all. The game was lost before he had that fourth quarter kind of implosion. And it's easy enough to understand why the Jets were pretty much out of the game at that point. And we talked all week leading into this game about how the Jets needed to lean on their defense, how they needed to lean on their run game. Well, the defense, you know, could not get off the field on third down. We talked about that because Jeff Albert just made some horrific play calls in, situ- in bad situations. They couldn't run the ball because Nathaniel Hackett gave Brees Hall the ball four times and they couldn't, they couldn't run block. So you get to the fourth quarter. I think Zach Wilson tried to do too much. Now, I don't think you can completely exonerate Zach Wilson because, I mean, he didn't need to throw those interceptions. In fact, heading into the fourth quarter, I was thinking, well, he's had a decent game so far. He'll probably pad his stats against some prevent defenses. So I, I can't say that Zach Wilson is absolved from the poor play in the fourth quarter, but I think that he has shown improvement. The problem with saying Zach Wilson's shown improvement is that improvement is a relative term. When we talk about improvement, we're just comparing Zach Wilson in 2023 to 2022 Zach Wilson. That doesn't require a lot of improvement. You know, I think it was almost a guarantee he was going to improve in some areas. I think he's reading defenses better. I think that a lot of the erratic throws are not there anymore. This is a good thing. I think he's especially moving better within the pocket. I'm just not sure he's at a point where he should be playing right now. So there's talk, should the Jets be looking for a new quarterback? Well, Robert Sala said yesterday that he doesn't think the Jets are going to add a quarterback at this point. Now, a bad game from Zach Wilson against New England could change that. Should they be looking for a quarterback? I don't know what you say publicly because, of course, I guess you kind of have to state support for Zach Wilson. I think the Jets should absolutely be in the market for a quarterback. I think you should always be looking to improve your team. I also think it's odd that the Jets aren't at least trying to add a better backup quarterback because... I'm not convinced that there's a free agent who's available who's better than Zach Wilson, but I know there's a free agent who's available who's better than Tim Boyle. I know there are multiple free agents available better than Tim Boyle. In fact, I don't even see what the point of having Tim Boyle on this team is. I know he had that great preseason game against the Giants, but, I mean, do you trust him as a backup quarterback? I guess he could be the the number three quarterback, but wouldn't you rather have a number three quarterback who, you know, at least has a little bit more upside than Tim Boyle, a younger guy, a developmental guy? Because I bet you that young developmental guy can play just as well right now as Tim Boyle. So I don't understand what the point of Tim Boyle is on this roster. And I almost worry that we're back to 2021 because I think what the Jets did in that season, they did not get what was viewed as a credible backup that year. Now, Mike White actually came in and played a great game against Cincinnati. But it was Zach Wilson's rookie year. And I always got the feeling that they were afraid of like making a situation where Zach Wilson would feel challenged. I feel like they almost did not address the backup quarterback that season heading into it because they wanted Zach Wilson to feel comfortable that they, they were worried that Zach Wilson you know, would, would not feel like he was, he was given the keys to the franchise. If they, unless they, unless he did not was, cha- unless he was not challenged by another quarterback. I worry that that's the case right now, because I don't really understand why the Jets haven't gone out and gotten a better backup quarterback. It's almost as though they're worried about Zach Wilson, how he would react if they brought in a, a, another quarterback, like he'd lose his confidence or he'd, he'd worry he's not the starting quarterback going forward. I don't know. It, it's very odd. And one of the reasons I say that is there's every reason to have a number, three quarterbacks in the NFL these days. You know, the league has changed its rules that allows you to have an extra quarterback active on game day in case of emergency. And the Jets are only carrying two right now. And while there's a very low chance that the Jets will suffer injuries to both Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle, this is essentially a free insurance policy against it because the guy you activate does not count against your regular 47 to 48 allotment of active players. So, there's every incentive to have three quarterbacks on this team. And 
you know, in the doomsday scenario, you at least would be covered. You at least would be able to run a shell of your passing game opposed to like having somebody like Randall Cobb go in and run the wildcat the rest of the game. I, I don't really understand what the Jets are doing. I do think they should be looking to upgrade on Zach Wilson. The challenge, though, of course, is that anybody who's that good of a quarterback at this point in time is already on their t- is already on a team. And teams are not really willing to give up quarterback depth for cheap. I mean, uh, a name that came up last week was Gardner Minshew of the Colts, who was one of the higher-end backup quarterbacks in the NFL. What happened in week two? Anthony Richardson got hurt, so Gardner Minshew goes in. So if you're, like, looking at the rosters across the league and trying to figure out who's a high-end backup quarterback, well, their team's probably not going to trade them. The time to upgrade the backup quarterback spot was in the spring and summer when there were guys available who could have been upgrades over Zach Wilson. This was the other thing I don't really understand with what the Jets are doing. They keep paying lip service to the idea we're trying to develop Zach Wilson, that he's going to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for two years, and then he'll figure out his game on the bench. Well, why would you not then get a better backup quarterback so you would not need to throw Zach Wilson into these tough situations? I don't really understand a lot about what the Jets did here. I think Zach Wilson's improved. I wish there was a better option than him, though. I'm not sure there is. So when you look at, you know, should the Jets be looking to replace Zach Wilson? It's a complicated question because there's so many different elements of this. I think there has been at least some degree of progress. I don't know if it's been a lot of progress. I think there has been some degree of progress. I think that they should be always trying to upgrade the quarterback position. I think in the NFL, you always look to improve your roster. I wish there was a better option than Zach Wilson because I think even in his improved state, I'm not convinced he should be out there at the moment. But I'm not sure that I'm just not sure there is a better option than Zach at the time at this point for the Jets. So lots of different things to say at the quarterback position. I don't know that they're going to be able to fix it, though. I think they're just going to have to roll with Zach Wilson and hope the, the improvement continues and that it becomes greater moving forward. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on a podcast source, please give the show a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out, help other Jets fans find the show. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.